Roll tight, everybody, and welcome to Bama Talk. I'm Steve Sample, and we've been having a blast doing this podcast since we kicked off right before the season started, and the timing's been awfully good for us, too, because Bama's been on a record-breaking roll that won enough games to wind up in the Orange Bowl. The tides ride through what many thought would be a rebuilding year just wound up making more amazing history with a Sherman-like march to the sea, burning the Bulldogs in the Battle of Atlanta, and putting on a show down by the shore when we kicked the south end of a leprechaun all the way back to South Bend. And by the way, we heard Manti Teo's girlfriend rode back with Elvis. Yeah, really. Uh, so we're at the end of Bama Talk's first football season, but some of our standouts stood out in the Senior Bowl last Saturday in Mobile. Michael Williams pulled in a TD pass in front of the Pro Scouts, and Foley native Robert Lester got a chance to show out for the home folks that turned out. Nico Johnson and Carson Tinker took part in it too, so it had to be sweet to help the South team send the North team back above the Mason-Dixon line on the downside of a 21-16 loss. And let's not forget those four seniors never suffered a loss in January since their run included wins over Texas, Michigan State, LSU, Notre Dame, and the North Senior Bowl squad. Now the fifth former tighter on the field in the game was officiating. David Smith played quarterback at Bama from 86 to 88 and was part of the SEC crew that called the game. The executive director of the Senior Bowl is Phil Savage, who does world-class color commentary along with Eli Gold on the Crimson Tide radio broadcast. And we've got some more guys with familiar names that were in a lot of big games at Bama before they landed in the Super Bowl. The battle between the Harbaugh brothers will be a heck of a family feud, but with three Bama boys on the Baltimore side, I'll be rooting for the Ravens. Courtney Upshaw, number 91, was drafted by Baltimore as the third pick in the second round of the NFL draft, and he's having a great rookie year. Now, while he was at Bama, he played in 13 games as a freshman in 08 and in all 14 games in 09 with one start against Kentucky. In the national championship game against Texas, he recovered the fumble Eric Andrews forced with three minutes to go that sealed the deal in Pasadena. He started 11 games in 2010 and was MVP of the Capital One Bowl when he went off on Michigan State with five tackles, three of which were for losses, two sacks, and a forced fumble. Courtney collected 13 starts his senior year with 51 tackles, 17 of them for a loss, nine and a half sacks, and two forced fumbles. He made first-team All-American and was named Defensive Most Valuable Player in the 2012 National Championship game against LSU. He was such an important part of one of the greatest defenses in college football history, so it's no surprise he's thriving at the next level. Now, Terrence Cody became a Crimson Tider after two seasons at Mississippi Gulf Coast College where he drew attention with agility you don't usually see in a DT that weighs 400 pounds. He trimmed down after he showed up at Bama for the 08 season and made all American the same number of times that he blocked field goal attempts in a game against Tennessee in 09 twice. He combined with Courtney to help lead Bama to an undefeated 14-0 season that ended with the win over Texas in the BCS National Championship game at the Rose Bowl. Terrence wore a size 10 shoe at the age of 8, and by the ninth grade, he was six foot two, weighed 275 pounds, so he wasn't allowed to play much in grade school because he was always over the weight limit for his age range. Now, in his first game at Bama against Clemson with their two stud running backs, the defense held them to zero net yards rushing, and when we played Georgia and Athens that year in the big bad bulldog blackout game, the tied D held Doak Walker Award winner Sean Marino to 34 yards. He stood out in the Iron Bowl blowout in 08 when he recovered a fumble that helped the Tide pile up the points in that 36 to nothing win. 
The man we call Mount Cody was selected as the 57th overall pick by the Ravens in the second round of the 2010 NFL Draft. But the real glory in this story goes to a guy Coach Bryant called the greatest end in Alabama history, and that history includes Don Hudson. Ozzie Newsom played four years on Bama teams that went 42-6. and six. He had 102 receptions for 2,010 yards and 16 touchdowns on a wishbone team. His 20.3 yards per catch was an SEC record for over 20 years. He made all SEC twice, was named SEC Lineman of the Year in 1977 by both the Birmingham and Atlanta touchdown clubs, and was entered into the College Football Hall of Fame in 1994. After Cleveland took him in the first round of the 78 NFL draft, he wound up being named Brown's Offensive Player of the Year as a rookie. The first time that had happened in 25 years, and he still holds the team record for receiving yards in a single game with 191. He made the Pro Bowl three times and was the 1990 NFL Man of the Year based in part on his exemplary community service. He didn't miss a game in a 13-year career, playing in 198 contests with 191 consecutive starts. He finished playing football with 662 catches for 7,980 yards, which are both both still club records, and in 1999, he was inducted into the NFL Hall of Fame. He spent several seasons as a front office executive with the Browns and was named general manager and executive vice president of the Ravens in 2002. He won a Super Bowl ring when the Ravens beat the Giants 34-7 in Super Bowl 35. So with that much Crimson Tide on one side, this Bama boy's going with Baltimore. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, we're still amazed with what our men accomplished in Miami, and we've also taken time to recognize that this past January 26th was the 30th anniversary of Coach Bryant's passing. So we talked about it some last week and posted some very poignant pictures on our Bama Talk Facebook page that we thought you'd like to look at. We know we enjoyed them. Uh, our guest today was on Coach Bryant's staff for five years from 1974 through 1978, and he's also very involved with current A-Club activities. So we're really glad to get a chance to hear from him again. Uh, he was our guest on the first Bama Talk show back in August, and it's great to have him back again. Dr. James Sanderson, what you got going on these days? Well, just uh, trying to keep everybody going where they're supposed to be going around the house. I heard that. Uh, by the way, I got to come by your place. He has a dental practice in Hoover uh, a few weeks ago and uh, get the uh, uh, the tour, and it's just a wonderful place it's like going to somebody's home very comfortable and uh i can see why uh why your practice is so successful hey you know first of all i know you got to go to the national championship game in miami uh you've been there before when it didn't <laughs> go quite that well how sweet was it to see what went down down there after that two-point loss in 74 to that bunch well i tell you we all all week long prior to the bowl game we would be down there on the South Beach walking around, and it was like, where's the red? <laughs> I mean, Notre Dame was everywhere. And, you know, and, and everybody you saw, they were like, they were real confident. And I'm like, wow. You know, when we play Notre Dame, they're just different. I, I'm hoping that that's not going to be the case this time. But based on what I've seen, I, I, I didn't see any way they could beat us. You know, I mean— Ole Miss and, and, uh, and Pitt played a heck of a ball game here at Legion Field shortly before, and I'm like, there's no way we get beat by these guys. Hoover but, High School could beat Pitt. 
<laughs> it was pretty good. And and I, you got to figure the reason there's so many Notre Dame people down there that early is they just want to thaw out. Well, yeah, there's there, Are you, okay. there, there's a you, reason to go to South Beach. Yeah, you got a choice. You got South Beach or South Bend in early January. This isn't hard, people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, South Bend moved to South Beach. Oh my goodness! You know, and when Las Vegas puts an eight or nine or ten point line on a game, these people don't care who wins. They they're trying to they're trying to get an even even money on both sides. These people are serious about what they do. You know, you had to figure most of the time they're right. The biggest thing they did this time was miss it by about 20 points, right. <laughs> you know, to our benefit. Hey, you know, we were talking about this last week, but with the anniversary of coach Bryant's passing last week, it's hard to believe it's been 30 years because those of us, uh, including especially people like yourself that were lucky enough to live in that time when he was in his prime are still very affected by the relationship we had and still have with him. You spent five years on the staff. You had a very uh, close view uh, that very few are fortunate enough to have. What were you thinking and feeling as we kind of worked our way through last week? Well, I missed him, and I knew he would really like to have watched what happened. Uh, he, he'd he be sitting there just smiling at, at the things that Coach Saban is doing. I and, think he'd be the, Coach Saban's biggest fan. Yeah, absolutely. He'd just be saying, that's that's what we've been wanting to do. You know, it's he his presence is still so strong. Uh, we posted a few things on Facebook, like I mentioned a few minutes ago, some pictures and a uh, little information, and the response was immediate and overwhelming. Uh, it was like popcorn going off. Yeah. Uh, you know, the um, 30 years, that's a generation and a half, and uh, people that are outside the Alabama family don't really understand what's going on with this. And even, you know, fans, people that are fans of other teams, we understand that, you know, Coach Bryant spent most of his career beating them to a pulp. So we understand why they don't walk around in a houndstooth hat like some of our folks do, but but at the same time, he was really bigger than the school, the football team, and even the state because he's a natural national phenomenon. And uh, you've got Bryant-Denny Stadium. You've got Bryant Boulevard, uh, Bryant High School in Tuscaloosa now. You've got the Bryant Continuing Education Center. Uh, so many things are named for him and uh, in honor of him. Uh, he, he has such a prevailing presence, and quite honestly – um, I don't have a sensation of him being gone for 30 years because, and I know you probably feel the same. What are some of the closer interactions you had with Coach Bryant while you're on the staff? Uh, the, you know, everybody talks about, you know, you see the picture of him walking on water and all that kind of stuff. And I, you know, so I, I'm a kid who's grown up in Alabama and all of a sudden I'm, I'm on the practice field, you know, and I'm like, wow, this is pretty neat. Breathing the same <laughs> air. <laughs> you know? And so we, um, you know, one of our first practices, or I may, I think it was first practice. It was started raining outside like it does in Tuscaloosa, and you know the thunderstorms coming and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, well, bad weather is, you know, rain. This was before James Spann. This is before James Spann. Well, James was on the radio down in Tuscaloosa in those days, but uh, he wasn't doing weather. But uh, you know, in Tuscaloosa, it, when it rains in Tuscaloosa, it's just it rains in Tuscaloosa. And uh, but anyway, with that first practice, you know, I'm sitting there, I'm hearing thunder, and you see lightning out, and you know, ways away, and all this, you know. And I'm like, okay, well, he's up in the tower. What's he gonna do? 
And he waits and waits, and after a minute, you know, I, I turn around, and he he blows his whistle in my ear. He's right standing right behind me. I didn't even know he had got, come down out of the tower. He blows his whistle, go in. So everybody starts heading into the Coliseum, you know, and I'm, I'm probably 20 feet behind him. And he gets to the door of the Coliseum, and he opens the door and holds the door open, and he's dry as a bone. And what? I am like, I'm somebody, like somebody just poured Soaked. a bucket of, of, like a tub of water on me. Oh, my goodness. You know, and, like, and he just starts laughing. You know? <laughs> like, okay, I don't, know, I don't know about this. And you're looking around to see if somebody's <laughs> going to take a picture of this. We, we need to record this for posterity here. You know, and, I, and I was one of the early, you know, pretty much everybody on the team was soaked. Well, it reminds me of him, a, But it, him. Oh, wow. Well, you know, that reminds me of the story. It was one of the games against LSU at Legion Field in the early, mid-60s. Uh, I don't believe that the game was televised. I listened to it on the radio. I was listening to the pregame show, and it was cloudy, raining, uh, and, and the weather was expected to get worse. But at some point, I, I can't remember if it was when they came out to warm up or came back out for kickoff. But everything was set to go. Everybody's watching the sky and think, oh, my goodness, you know, this it's going to – the bottom's fixing to fall out. Coach Bryant walks out. The clouds part. The sun shines through. And all of a sudden, they get the game in. There's no rain. There's no bad weather. And Alabama wins another one of those tough games against LSU, which we're prone to do. Um and and people still stop, still talk about that story. So yours is even better. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, my wife thinks I'm. You know, she's like, oh, you can't be talking about that. But that, that's but that happened to me. Well, and, and it's it doesn't surprise me at all. Growing up in Tuscaloosa, you know, Coach Bryant was known as a great motivator. There's no doubt about that. Do any of the talks that he made to the team, either pregame or during the week in preparation or at halftime, stand out in your mind? Oh, there's one game when we were playing Ohio State. So this would be a bowl game. This would be a bowl game. And we were playing Woody Hayes. Okay. This... And um, we had never played Woody Hayes before. And Coach Hayes had had an altercation with a manager earlier in the, earlier in the year from, from another team. And so he, he had sort of had some difficulties he, things weren't going Woody's way. Woody didn't play well with others. <laughs> he did, but but he knew how to win up at Ohio State. And uh, Coach Bryant called an all hands um, meeting, and everybody gets in there, and he sits down, and about five minutes before meeting time, because you're supposed to be there fifteen minutes before meeting time if you're going to be in a meeting with him. Uh, he sucked down on that last on the Chesterfield, and he just sucked the whole thing down. Just you know, and I'm like, wow, <clears throat> okay, I'd be coughing. And that's unfiltered <laughs> Chesterfields. Unfiltered Chesterfields. He smoked. He sucked that thing down and stood up and started talking, going back to the 1930s, 1940s, and he picked a game out of each season, and he talked about a play out of that game. And now how that play was the game was a play that won the game. And he walked all the way through up until our the year before this and picked a game, <clears throat> did the same thing. And he said, Now, this game 
is the most important game I believe the University of Alabama's ever played. And there's going to be, just like every other game, there's going to be one or two plays that's going to make the difference between it and the rest of it. So which, which play are you going to be playing on? And by the way, this is all about the game, but in your life. There's going to be two or three days that are going to be key days in your life. You know, which one are you going to, when you get up in the morning, how are you going to act? What are you going Getting to do? Getting ready for that day. How are you going to know? Or are you going to try to be ready for all the days? I mean, so he, everything he did, he went back to life stories on. It was about winning football, yeah. But it was about what are you going to do after football? The football was actually actually a microcosm for things that would happen later. Right. The bigger picture. And I've had the opportunity to, to live a lifetime of trying to apply some of that stuff, and it's really pretty amazing. It's it, you know, and what's also very ironic is that uh, his detractors, and there there are some still around that want to try to somehow diminish or demean or lessen uh, his accomplishments and his effect on people will say that he was so focused on football and football was the only thing that meant anything to him when quite honestly, like you just illustrated it, it's the opposite that was true. Right. I mean, he, everything he did was about the big picture. You know, if I, he was, he was one of the best thinkers I've ever been around. I mean, I, I, you could take, take up something to him and just ask him something and he, and he would hit the big picture on it. You know, if he could come back now, uh, for instance, he he would. I know that he would be proud of you more for the fact that you've raised a family successfully and you've got a successful business. Uh, you've recently been named a, a deacon uh, at church. Congratulations, Thank by you. the way. That's what he he wouldn't be bragging about how you taped an ankle in 1975. No, he'd know. be. You know, you've done what you're supposed to do. You know, and by the way, there's more to do, James. <laughs> you know, and, and, and another thing, and we've mentioned this before, and I'll mention it again. Uh, the, when you're talking about those few plays that, that make the difference in a game or in how your life's going to turn out, but when we used to watch Coach Bryant shows on Sunday afternoon, which was so great, that came on at 4 o'clock, and it was an hour show. So it was like football class. And he also took, took a few minutes to diagram plays. But as you went through the film, he would – he would point out on occasion, well, look at so-and-so. He didn't look like he was trying to win the game on that play. He wanted every player trying to win the game on every play. Right. And that's very similar to the way Coach Saban thinks. Now, I'm not saying that this is exclusive to these two men, but when you take guys that are the level they're at, Coach, Coach Saban, Coach Bryant, the idea that you try to win the game every time the ball snapped, regardless, is the same reason that A.J. and Barrett Jones got into it with seven minutes to go in the fourth quarter in a game that everybody knew had was over before the first half ended. Yeah, my, my understanding is that, that Barrett Jones saw something that A.J. didn't and said, okay, the penalty is better than running the play. You can't have the ball. And he made a decision – on his own to take the penalty. That's amazing. And that's what AJ got mad at. He was like, "Why? Why did you not snap? I told you to snap the ball." And you know, boom. <laughs> but the it, but the beautiful part of it is, and of course, they made up later. That's very, right. Very shortly, like grown ups. 
uh, would have taken me another 20 years to learn that. They wanted to win on every play. They, they didn't want, care they that we're perfect. They didn't care that we were up by 28 points with seven minutes to go, and everybody knew Notre Dame wouldn't beat us if they had the help of the Chinese Army. It wasn't going to happen, but they wanted to play well and do things right, like Coach Saban talks about. Same things Coach Bryant talked about. Uh, James, you know, I know that you're very involved with A Club and a number of other organizations that promote and support the university. How can all fans, and, and alumni in particular, but, but all fans, play a bigger part uh, in being part of that built by Bama process we hear so much about these days? Well, you know, one of the things, and it's, it's buying tickets is one of the things that Coach Bryant said to do, whether we were winning and losing, you know, and, and saying positive things about it. The institution and just doing everything you can to support uh, what's going on. I mean, that's that's the name of the game. Well, we're getting an A in that because we got one hundred one eight hundred twenty one one hundred one thousand eight hundred twenty one seats, and there's still a waiting list for season tickets. But I, but uh, what disappoints me sometimes is a game against Western Carolina or one of the um, non-marquee name foes that we might play. And, and you look up and you see a sprinkling, sprinkling of empty seats. I go to the game to watch Alabama. Right. And, I, I'm, you know, we're going we're gonna to be there. And yeah. that's, what, that's what I'm going to do. And, you know, because the players, I mean, they've been, they've been busting tail all week long. And, you know... They they deserve to have to have it have that place full. Yeah, we were talking about that in the in the early part of the show. These guys go through so much. They work so hard. Their their hours are so long. They're, the demands that are placed on these eighteen, twenty, twenty one year olds are such way more than I could probably deal with. Uh, they they work out and, and playing football in Alabama is a twelve month a year deal. They don't just show up at the first of August and and go do a few push ups. And start playing. No. Uh, and it's a mental deal. It, it's a huge mental deal. Uh, working with Dr. Elko, I think that's been a tremendous thing. I was going to ask you about that. I've listened to him uh, a number of times on uh, some of the radio shows that some of us listen to. And he's amazing. Uh, this is a very, very astute man. He's brilliant. Uh, he, he seems to have such a healthy attitude and of the players that have been on the show that I've talked to personally and on the comments that I've read players make, uh, Dr. Elko has had a tremendous effect, uh, on these kids, these young men and, and it lasts when they graduate. Well, and, and one of the things that he's done, I mean, when he walks in the room, he uses this platform to talk about biblical principles. And that just really, um, that's, that's, it's, it's foundational stuff. Truth doesn't go out of style. It doesn't go out of style. And, you know, we're looking as a nation, as a, as a country, as a, all this kind of stuff for a hero and all that kind of stuff. We need that. And, and, you know, Dr. Elgin just says, okay, well, here, here's, here's where it started. So let's, let's look at this and let's think about what this means. I love the way he talks about getting rid of the clutter, all the things that can distract you and that play no part in getting you where you want to go. Uh, the me, I think our team 
does as good a job of dealing with media distractions, for instance, in a big game, like a national championship game, is any team I've ever seen. And they, they come out ready to play. They come out prepared. They come out uh, in a uh, psychological frame of mind, a, a posture that says that denotes confidence. And, and they seem so focused on the task at hand. Uh, they don't get too high. They don't get too low. Uh, and when the other team comes out and has a good first quarter, hey, uh, they don't get frustrated. They don't get flustered. They don't get rattled. Now, they, maybe they don't like it. But a good example is the Texas A&M game. Yeah, they Texas, came real close to, to pulling that one out. Yeah, well, you know, uh, uh, Texas A&M comes out and has a tremendous first quarter. You got to tip your hat to them. You know, they took it to us there for the first 15 minutes, scored 20 points. But they only scored nine points with a Heisman Trophy winner in the last three quarters of the game. And except for one or two plays down on the goal line at the end that we just didn't make, we almost won that game too. You know, and when it's your day, it's your day. I mean, when the ball gets knocked out of your hands and – he just happens, you know. He just happens to be running in a particular direction, and our DB sees the ball go up. He's like, "Okay, football, go to the football." Well, sometimes the other guys make the a ball, play. Ball lands in his hands, and all of a sudden, his his guy's open, and it's like, "Ooh!" But just like the 2010 game at Columbia against South Carolina, Texas A&M played the best game I've ever seen him play in a lot of ways, and it took a Heisman Trophy winner to beat us by five points. Right. You know, so. You know, sometimes you just say you count your losses. But the great thing about it was, again, that we had a chance to win more games. Mentally, they didn't have a letdown. They didn't shut it down psychologically. So we had a chance to get back in it. And sure enough, Oregon and Kansas State go out and take a take a vacation mentally, and they lose. And our guys, you know, and, and, and like you were saying, I mean, they're – He's talking about winning football games and having yourself in position, but he's also talking about after football to all of them. What you know, you were so close to Coach Bryant, and and being in the situation you're in too, you're around Coach Saban uh, a good bit too. How how do you compare and contrast them? Obviously, they're different personalities, but uh, how's that play out to you? Well, you know, Coach Bryant burned the candle at every end he could burn it. You know, I mean, he, he, he played hard and he worked hard. And and he just, he did everything he could to push people. He was a master psychologist. Um, he was extremely comfortable in front of a crowd. And he was extremely comfortable one-on-one. I mean, when you walked in the room, if you walked in his room, it was like there was nobody else around but you. And he just... He had all the time in the world. What do you? What are you? We need to do. You know, uh, Coach Saban is. Um, you know, Coach Saban's eating turkey sandwiches for lunch. You know, and he's taking care of himself physically, uh, and that's a very significant difference. I think we'll have Coach Saban around a lot longer because of the way that he's, and he's applying that to the players. Uh, that's what he's got Coach Cochran doing, talking about nutrition oh, we've, and all Amy, that kind of stuff. Amy Bragg's doing a super job with the nutrition needs. And, and they are really doing just fantastic things around teaching these guys. One of the guys that uh, you had on the show, um, uh, Brian Selman, yeah. you know, he had 
bulked up to be the to be the long snapper. I saw him a few weeks ago, and he's lost. I don't know how many pounds he's lost, but he's trimmed down. And I said, what did you do? He said, well, I'm still in shape, but I just I changed what I was doing nutritionally because I knew I didn't need to stay where I was if sure. I wasn't playing football. And I'm like, wow. You know, you knew what to do, or you, you, you learned what to do, where, you know, I mean, that's different from when I was there. Oh, and now, Brian, by the way, uh, in case anybody doesn't know or has forgotten this, uh, uh, landed a job with the Pittsburgh Pirates organization. It's working somewhere up on the East Coast, I think the Virginia, D.C. area. Right. And, uh, and I know he's doing a great job. Yes, uh, he was, I'm sure he Yeah, is. yeah. You know, and, and again, I was getting back to the wellness and the nutrition, preventative care, and the unbelievable array of rehabilitative services and capabilities the staff has. It's just amazing. So these these kids are awfully, awfully well taken care of. And one, one other quick aside, I was recently spoke to somebody uh, that's in the know and has access to the numbers and the graduation rates for our athletes. <laughs> are Phenomenal. really, really good. They're actually above the general student population. Uh, a lot of these kids are graduating in less than four years, and some of them are, are leaving, uh, completing their athletic eligibility with a master's degree. Right. Barrett Jones, for instance, Brandon Gibson was on the show. Uh, very, and AJ, very, I'm sure he'll have a master's degree when he leaves. Well, he's yeah, he completed his undergraduate degree in December, so he went to the uh, his second national championship game as a starter as a graduate of the University of Alabama. Roll Tide, AJ. Way to go. We're just about out of time, Doc. It flies by. Uh, you know, you were on our first show. We appreciate that so much. You've been a big help to us uh, behind the scenes here at Bama Talk Show. And uh, we hope you come back and visit with us again. We consider you a starter now, you know. Well, we, we appreciate the opportunity. We'd love to anytime. Oh, yeah. Now, uh, everybody knows you've got a dental practice here in Hoover uh, that's just a huge success. Must be like pulling teeth. Uh, if somebody wants to get in touch with you or needs to get in touch with you, what's the best way to find you? Uh, the webpage is www.sanddentistry.com, S-A-N-D-E-N-T-I-S-T-R-Y.com, and the office number is 205-979-6005. Give us that number one more time. 205-979-6005. Well, James, thanks so much. Like I say, we're going to be calling you again and have you back real soon, okay? Thank you very much. Look, look forward to it. Roll Tide. Roll Tide. If you want to win the retirement game, you've got to have a good retirement game plan. And let's face it, most of us don't have a good plan in place yet. If you want to stop putting off, putting some away, check out annuitiesalabama.com today. They can set you up with strategies that are safe and smart that'll get you across that retirement goal line. If your 401k or your IRA aren't getting it done, it may be time to fast forward into something you'll feel better about. But the game clock's running and successful people don't procrastinate. So don't wait to give this the priority you and your family deserve. Check out annuitiesalabama.com today. That's annuitiesalabama.com. Hey, we're having a ton of fun with our Bama Talk Facebook page, so if you're already on Facebook and you haven't seen it, be sure and check it out. If you're not on Facebook, we hope you'll hook it up and look us up. It's always going to be football season on the Bama Talk Facebook page, but let there be no doubt that we're all about our fantastic gymnastic team, which is currently ranked number five, and they've got a big meet with Georgia and Athens coming up. We're excited about our softball sisters stepping up to the plate. We're looking for baseball to put on a show at the Joe and 
we're hoping Bama Hoops makes enough racket to find a place on the March Madness bracket. We'll be talking about football recruiting and reloading for another run at the Rose Bowl next year. And we do plan to do all we can to help fill the stands for the spring game because the boys that just went back-to-back ought to play the 8A game in front of a full stadium. We're talking every seat at Bryant-Denny with somebody's backside in it. So make it a point to put the Bama Talk Facebook page on your daily agenda along with vitamins, exercise, a healthy diet, and posting pictures of the scoreboard from the last six games against Tennessee. You know, things that make you feel good. And speaking of things that'll make you feel good, we do want to mention our friends and fellow Bama fans, Gary and Elizabeth Wilkins, who lead an organization called By Provision. They spend nine months out of every year in Africa drilling wells so that people have access to clean drinking water. They also run a school and minister to abused and abandoned children. If you'd like to help support them, please go to their website, which is byprovision.org. That's byprovision.org. Before we hand the ball back to the ref, we want to remind you that you can access Bama Talk Show in the podcast section of iTunes, we're on Stitcher, and we're one of several programs on the podcast menu at bigbrainsmedia.com. The downloads and subscriptions are free, and there's also a free podcast app available that allows you to download all the shows to your smartphone or mobile device so you can listen while you Google search plane fares to Pasadena, or while you have your picture made with yet another crystal trophy or while you're explaining to your children why you don't wear your good shoes to Starkville. In any event, it's time to head for the locker room. So for Mark Phillips, James Spann, and all the folks behind Bama Talk at Big Brains Media, we want to say thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed it, and we hope you'll tell your friends about us. Till next time, take care, have a blessed day, and roll tide. <laughs>